Hi, my name is Nick Lynch, and I'm here to inspire you to go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profits. Welcome to the Go Big to Get Big podcast, where we are challenging six-figure earners to become seven-figure givers. My name is Randy Mullen, and each week, my co-host Steve Arneson and I are interviewing successful entrepreneurs, professional athletes, philanthropists, and other high-performing humans that are inspiring us with their stories. We go deep into uncovering how they have become successful and why generosity is an impact they want to leave on this world. Our mission is to have you leave this podcast wanting to go bigger with your dreams and goals so that you can give bigger with your profits. Let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. All right, today's guest is one of my favorites to date, but not because he has the biggest following or has given away the most money. This guy is just so similar to us that he just wants to use his entrepreneurial brain to solve problems for the nonprofit sector. That man's name is Nick Lynch. Nick is the CEO of Kaleidoscope, a technology company where they've created a space for influencers and brands to collide for the sake of a good cause. Think of it like a uh, matchmaker, but for nonprofits and influencers, and then they go and do good together. Um, They also track just incredible things around data and analytics to make sure that your marketing aligns with everything that you're trying to share and that you're working with the right people and attracting the right audiences. In today's episode, we're able to talk quite a bit how nonprofits need a little bit more support and how they can get out of the old way of thinking and into the new way of digital marketing. And we talked, you know, a little bit about how NFTs are going to come in, blockchain technology, how that's going to help shape the way that we make a bunch of donations. We also get into the KPI metrics of nonprofits and how they can start using those to track things differently, making sure they're getting the right audiences in, looking at how they can get more donations through the audiences that we're bringing together. It's a pretty incredible thing uh, that he's been able to do. And he was able to share a lot of that with us on this episode. And then a to finish it off, Nick is uh, shares about how he was a part of a Make-A-Wish dream, and it had some incredible impact on him and made us feel pretty special. So this episode is super tactical. It was a lot of fun to record, so I hope you enjoy listening to our episode with Nick Lynch from Kaleidoscope. All right, we are excited to welcome Nick Lynch to the show. Nick, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, kind of random. I found you on a podcast I was listening to about some giving back stuff. And I heard your story and was just instantly like, dude, we're going to be best friends. We got to connect on some stuff. We got to have you on the show to talk about some things. And, uh, so I'm really excited to dive into your story and learn uh, more about how you're, you know, uh, connecting influencers and nonprofits and, and making a big, um, shakeup in the industry. So I'd love for you to just share a little bit about, you know, what is Kaleidoscope the company you've created and uh, a little bit of your background on how you created it, how you got there and how it's actually impacting nonprofits today. Yeah, absolutely. So again, thank you so much for having me. I'm glad you, you found me, uh, underneath the podcast rock. I, um, like I said, I'm, I'm Nick, the co-founder and CEO of Kaleidoscope. I, uh, you know, we started Kaleidoscope at the very beginning of COVID. Um, well, maybe just to answer your question directly. I mean, Kaleidoscope, we sort of sit on the intersection of media, marketing, and measurement. Um, and so we provide um, services for brands and nonprofits to essentially help them better work and connect together. So that could be uh, identifying opportunities where there's marketing partnerships that could be providing um, analytics and measurement around um, how well a brand generates reach and awareness for a cause, as well as how much that reach and awareness drove actual impact for a cause. Um, we help develop media opportunities with influencers and nonprofits and brands. 
We help develop uh, content media opportunities for uh, nonprofits to maximize and monetize their expertise, potentially in environmental um, causes and DEI causes and work with corporate partners. But essentially, we're kind of building that sort of future bridge of how corporations and nonprofits better work together to leverage media and marketing and measurement to scale the efficacy and, and the impacts that, that, that they hope to make. Uh, that's like the, the, the quick elevator pitch. Um, but, you know, we started at the very beginning of COVID. I, uh, you know, from a professional standpoint, I've been here based in LA for I think 16 some odd years, primarily building solutions for brands and advertisers to better target their audiences on digital and social media. So I had kind of a keen insight into how brands spend their dollars in, in their marketing side. Um, but from a personal standpoint, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm a Make-A-Wish kid. Um, I've been a part of the Make-A-Wish family ever since they sent me to Disneyland when I was three. Um, one of my still one of my fondest memories ever. And uh, I've been a part of the LA chapter here uh, for Make-A-Wish for about seven or some odd years in different capacities on their advisory council. I helped them launch their Young Professionals Council um, and, and on their advisory board now. Um, and at the beginning of COVID, when um, when COVID hit, I really started thinking about what is Make-A-Wish and then more broadly, what are nonprofits going to do uh, now that they can't do in-person events? Um, and sort of drawing in from my personal experience on um, how, how nonprofits work and how they don't work sometimes <laughs> and my professional experience of, of how brands are looking at cause marketing as a, as a major tool to drive awareness, but also yeah. um, to really scale their, you know, corporate and philanthropic efforts. Um, but also knowing sort of the challenges of why they can't invest more dollars directly into nonprofits. And so that was really the genesis of Kaleidoscope. I knew that if I could bring more dollars in by bringing more marketing dollars in by providing better measurement for brands to understand how well their cause marketing actually was driving impact for their business and their brand, but also providing holistic insight into how well it was driving impact for their cause partners that I could bring more dollars in and it could scale. Um, and that was really the genesis of, of what we did. I mean, obviously it's crazy now because three years <laughs> later, you know, and through the process of learning what to do and what not to do and how to, to leverage our, our resources. I mean, we, we've along the way, brands have asked us, Hey, like we're looking at our CSR uh, to pull it out of our HR department and into our marketing department. How does that, that look like? What, how do we do that? How do we work better with um, nonprofits? How do we measure that better? And so we'll help facilitate that. Nonprofits are now thinking about, okay, we used to spend a bunch of money on tailors. How do we shift that money into digital media and influencer media, right? So like we're now playing sort of this interesting position of um, really just helping people get to a place where they can scale effectively um, together. Um, and build strong partnerships using all of the amazing tools, technology, and media that's available today. This is why we're getting along so good because that is, you know, one of Steve and I's missions is always about like how can we use business more to solve some of the problems in the um, nonprofit sector or do more impact or do more good because you know, the typical charity was send out flyers, try and get some donations where you can host one huge gala year, two big events, raise all your money in those events. And then when COVID comes, you're not able to run events anymore. You're not able to do anything and you lose all your revenues. So how can we as business owners attach lines of revenue to our business so that they don't go through that? And I know that's something that you're starting to recognize and see. What I would love to hear is like, where do you come up with this concept? I know uh, there's a bit of a story when you're in Singapore and how the whole thing came to be. And I'd love for you to share that story because usually there is some sort of moment where you have that light bulb of like, aha, there it is. I'm connecting them. So I'd love for you to share that. Yeah, no, I am, um, you know, Prior to to building Kaleidoscope, you know, there, I spent a lot of time um, 
building influencer marketing networks. I think for the past eight years now, I've been really focused of the digital media experience that I have. It's the last seven has been primarily focused in influencer marketing. And I've been, I was part of a company um, that, you know, put together really large um, influencer networks, uh, even though we're based here, really focused in Southeast Asia. So I spent a lot of time flying back and forth um, all over the region. And so I was actually in Singapore. I looked, I looked at the date the other day. I think it was like March 1st, 2020. <laughs> so like literally like six, six days away from like never being able to come back yeah. into the country for a hot minute. And I probably would have been divorced and my kid would have not <laughs> recognize that's a whole nother story. But, um, the, you know, we were over there and I mean, it was night and day. I mean, I left the United States and nobody was in mass. There was no quarantining. I mean, there was nothing like you would have never known that it was an issue. And I land in Singapore and everywhere I went, I had to give my ID. I had to sign in. I had to get my temperature checked. Everybody wore a mask. All great protocols. Like, I mean, it's like they were way ahead of the game. Um, but as we were going through that process and I was meeting with colleagues about like, you guys have this perspective that we don't have. Like, what's what's the trend? Like, what's going to happen? And we sat down and had a pretty long conversation about like, it's, it's going to get pretty bad. And it's going to get particularly bad for a lot of a lot of various people, right? Like underserved communities, underrepresented communities, people already on the fringes and challenged already, the environment, like so many different um, things were going to come up and, and really had a long conversation about like, what are, what are the things that we could do with our expertise to help the cause, you know, the cause organizations and the nonprofit organizations that are going to have to step up and support all of these people and all of these challenges that we're going to, going to face. And the caveat to that is that they can't operate the way they normally have been operating because things are going to change. They're not going to be able to meet in person. They're going to have to try to figure out things digitally. And so it was like challenge after challenge and, and these conversations that we were having about like, what can we actually do? You know, and the, the plane ride from, from Hong Kong to, I guess, Singapore to Hong Kong and Hong Kong to LA is combined like 18 hours. So I had a lot of time to think about sort of that conversation and that challenge. And literally I was you know, kind of a PowerPoint nerd and an Excel nerd. And I was crunching the numbers and thinking about the, the technology that I knew that I could kind of like MacGyver together, you know, and, and when we landed, I sort of had the initial concept of Kaleidoscope and, you know, really figuring out, uh, you know, the, the metrics and the way I wanted to visualize it and how we could sort of quickly and easily get everybody put together in one place to be able to see that dashboard. And that was really, that was really the genesis and the cause. And then I literally hit the ground running like the next day, I think, in a span of a couple of months, I had had a conversation with like 250, 300 different people at nonprofits, at brands and every, everybody in the ecosystem just to be like, hey, this, I have this loony idea. Um, is this going to work out? And, you know, that's really um, how, how it came to be. It's an incredible story, Nick. And I think the platform itself and the mission that it's on, uh, it's incredible, man. Uh, so congrats on the success that you've seen so far. And Thanks. I'm really curious, like, were you a social entrepreneur before this? Or is it just an idea that kind of like sparked at the movement within you? I think I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. Um, I, I'm just like kind of a builder. I love building things um, and and seeing how they work. And, um, you know, I always subscribe to the fail fast. I'm not like a perfect guy. Like, let's just get it built. Let's see if it works and it doesn't. What doesn't work? Let's fix it. What does work? Let's scale. And, and you know, I never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur, but that's like the DNA of an entrepreneur. Like, let's build and let's fix what's fit, what needs to be fixed and let's scale what's working. And But I've never been like a social entrepreneur, which is sort of weird in my head and, and given my history, why I never was in, in the spaces that I've been at. Um, but I, I would, I will tell you that you know, I, I don't think I was as involved with Make-A-Wish as I wanted to be until I had my son, who's now six. As soon as I saw him, I was like, okay, 
now I know what it means like to, to get, really be in, you know, in, involved and in, in influence somebody and really be able to support them. I, now I can actually see through my son's eyes how important Make-A-Wish was to me. I need to be more involved. And I think over the last six years, I've just become, I think, more and more focused on how do I use my professional and my personal experience to benefit other people? I, I was the three T's, right? It's like time, talent, and treasure. Like how can I use one, two, all of those at any given time um, to, to support people or causes or, or organizations? I think too, I've heard you on another podcast mention the incorporation of NFTs and the crypto side of things into uh, whether it be the business plan or at least maybe, uh, you know, donations and, and capital raising and stuff. Do you see that as like mega opportunity for, um, you know, for these enterprises or is it still something that still needs to be like vetted a little bit further before mass kind of incorporation? Ooh, yes and yes and no and no, we'll right? So thirty minute conversation, yeah, here. No, <laughs> but only answer in sixteen seconds. Sorry, no, 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 no. It's a it's a great question because I think these are the questions that need to be asked because from a high level, like philosophically, blockchain technology is going to change everything, right? Unfortunately, mm-hmm. all that people are talking about and all the media is talking about is tokens, you know, and coins and NFTs and the currency around it and Bitcoin. Like that is such a such a small microscopic use case of what it all eventually will be. I mean, that, that's ultimately we're, we're all going to be moving there. And whether that's in five or 50 years, like this conversation will be looked at the same way, you know, was dial up Internet the future like right. when, when it yeah. was. Right. So philosophically, conceptually, I think that I, I agree with you. I think I, I, I and I love the, I love the questions and I think we need to continue to ask that. It is a tremendously massive opportunity for cause-based organizations, you know, philanthropy initiatives, all of it to use. There's obviously a big uh, know your customer or KYC issue with, with cryptocurrency and how money can be moved. Um, and so there's going to be some, obviously some issues around that generally. But I think that even today, like using an NFT as a means to write the, the, your, your profile picture, right? your PFP, you know, showcasing your support for a cause, having specific benefits tied to that, using it as a as a as a, a membership token or a uh, or a raffle ticket. I feel like the mm-hmm. the raffle system that we're that we could use just NFTs for can iterate um, and build on that. So yeah, I mean, there's so many use cases today that I think could be leveraging um, you know you know the blockchain and cryptocurrency. I think that we're barely scratching the surface, and that over time. There will be so many amazing use cases that we can use. But yeah, I think everybody needs to be asking those questions. I think that people should be looking at ways to, um, you know, into accepting cryptocurrency because there is value and you can, you know, if, if you have them and you want to donate them, you should be able to do that. Um, we're building an NFT donation platform similar to like a, um, like a, I don't know if you have this in Canada, but like a Salvation Army or Goodwill where, you know, you can you know, donate your clothes and then they resell it. Same thing. So I think that there's opportunities today that we can leverage the economy and the liquidity that is happening um, in the space to, to do good. Super cool. So like a, a trash bin for everyone that has their uh, JPEGs that don't mean anything anymore. Yeah, but yeah, well, that's 100%. There, and I think that, that they can have a second life, right? Like the same way that you can go. I mean, today, thrifting is like a tremendous yeah. trend. It's huge. And people it's can massive. go in there and find art and and clothing that used to be trash and like totally own it. I think the same could be said. I mean, I've seen some amazing artwork and artists do great stuff. And they're, you know, now their NFTs are worth pennies or nothing. 
Um, but I think it, from an art perspective, like I, I have a ton of NFTs in my wallet that are worth nothing, but I love the art. So yeah. there's something to be said there. And I think that people would probably buy, you know, useless NFTs if they knew that, you know, 97% of that went to uh, a good cause, right? So, or 95 or whatever it is, the percentage is, right? I think, you know, all of it, whatever. I mean, I think that there's an opportunity there. So we should all be exploring that. I love that. I want to jump into a little bit of uh, Kaleidoscope here and what you're doing. So um, you're going out and working with influencers. That's just simple principles here. You're working with influencers, matching with nonprofits. Walk us how that journey looks, how you've paired some people, maybe an example or two of something that, you know, you've paired influencer and a nonprofit and the campaign you've ran and the benefits of seeing what it looks like. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, with, you know, I think we can all maybe agree or at least somewhat agree that like influencer marketing and in, in the creator economy as a whole is pretty much kind of the, the future of marketing, like whether it's creators creating content that are now television commercials or uh, cr- creators or influencers themselves promoting something on their social platforms. I mean, it's, it's arguably the most effective means, um, you know, f- to, to communicate or promote an idea or a product today. Right. Um, and it's only going to get bigger. It's still in its infancy stage. I think it's like a seven or $8 billion um, market, which is uh, dwarfed by how big some of the other channels are. So, you know, but with, but with influencer marketing and with influencers, it's really about authenticity at the end of the day. Like at the very beginning, we start to make sure that any creator or any influencer that we work um, with, it's really about how aligned are they with the mission or the cause that they want to support and have they talked about it in the past? I think that those are really key and important pieces to sort of making sure that influencer marketing can actually work for um, these types of opportunities because it's, you know, their audience knows who they are and what they promote and what they do. And if it doesn't align with any of that, it's just not going to be effective. Um, and so we're, we're really keen on making sure that there is alignment there, that there is an audience that supports that alignment and that it's really clear how their involvement impacts the cause. Um, and so we work really closely to make sure that, you know, we have a clear process around creating a, a campaign brief and a creative brief and providing, you know, guardrails and guidelines. Ultimately, the creative execution is up to the creator, or the influencer, but we at least have a really good framework and a tried and true framework for working with creators to make sure that they're delivering content that's effective, that actually drives some type of call to action and we track it, which is our big, uh, you know, sort of metrics piece and, and our measurement piece, which we kind of hang our hat on to. Um, but you know, that, that's really our, our process is just making sure that there's massive alignment and that the, the communication of the call to action are really, really clear. That's from a high level without giving away too much secret sauce. That's kind of where, where, where we really focus on. And, and I mean, you know, talk about making sure that we shift dollars and why measurement's so important. I mean, the, my favorite use case is almost was one of our first, um, we worked with an organization that was trying to do, um, their first, uh, you know, digital or, or, you know, um, sort of streaming event at the sort of middle of, of the COVID situation um, that they had never done before, you know, a hundred plus year organization, well, very, very well known. Um, and they were essentially trying to promote this through mailers. <laughs> and so, you know, obviously there are some sensitivities, right? You can't be like, that's a bad idea. You just kind of have to say, okay, well, let's measure everything. And then let's optimize based on <laughs> on how we measure. And so, you know, really, really quickly, what we saw is that when we worked with influencers that were aligned with their cause and we, uh, and we 
tested it on certain social media and we tested it with certain images and certain messaging, we saw really clear that the, and we tried everything else. We tried email, we tried paid media and we did some mailers. And I mean, very, very quickly, we saw that the only effective means for promoting this event and driving signups and donations and newsletter registrations, which were their like their three KPIs that we were measuring, is that it was Instagram and it was uh, sports related athletes and it was a specific type of image that they needed to use and a specific type of call to action. And we figured that out like right away. And so that allowed us to shift away from tactics that would cost money, that would be time intensive, that would essentially not yield the results that we wanted, really double and triple down on the specific tactics that were driving the outcomes and ultimately allowed them to crush their, their donation goal and reduce their cost ratio, uh, which in a, on a good year is in between 40 to 60%, meaning you know, uh, whatever they earn, you know, they, they're, it's okay to spend up to 60% or in between 46%. Their cost ratio for that, that campaign or that event, I think was like 9%. So, I mean, it was ridiculous. So, I mean, I think that's just a good example of why it's important to align yourself with advocates that are synergistic to your cause and why it's vitally important to measure your tactics and and your outcomes to make sure that you can really um, scale the ones that are working and optimize the ones that aren't. So on that note, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a data freak, probably like you. Um, So on the influencer side, like what are some key pieces that, uh, you know, influencer marketer can track or trend or to start to you know visualize and analyze and and gather in preparation for maybe they don't know exactly what organization they want to go and support yet but maybe it's they have that calling inside them where it's like i know, I, I, I just feel like i have more purpose here right so in those early stages what can that influencer do to like gather some data to then be able to you know bring a nice little bundle to you know the next um organization they're going to support yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is, is, is I always say, like, go with your gut. Like, what does your gut tell you in terms of, like, what's important to you? A lot of the time we work with, like, video, like esports e- streamers, and, you know, they're really, um, uh, they're, you know, a certain group of them are really uh, interested about environmental causes or, uh, or, or human rights issues, right? And so, like, really, really refining, like, what, uh, what about those issues are important to you? Um, and what, what about those issues do you want to make sure that you are informed about and that you communicate about, right? And then you can just start doing that. Once you sort of understand about like more about the cause and what, what the, about those causes are important to you, just start using your platform to communicate it. And organically, I will tell you, most likely a, a cause will find you and be like, you talked about this. We are totally in alignment. Uh, we should try to figure out how to work together uh, to do something. But I think from an influencer standpoint, I mean, these these creators know their platform well, they know their audience as well, you know, create creative people go from the heart and they're, you know, so it's like, just listen to your gut, go with your heart, talk about what's important to you. Uh, and I think the rest sort of plays itself out organically uh, over time. Percentage was, what do you think you have where it's like nonprofits coming to you looking for, you know, new sort of influencers or new styles versus influencers coming to you looking to get paired with nonprofits. Do you have it kind of like 50, 50 or what's the ratio oh, it, there? It's, it's mostly nonprofits that are, that are seeking partnerships because I, I think that from an influencer standpoint, I, well, I find two things to be true from, from an influencer standpoint. One is that creators or influencers uh, um, or whatever term that we're going with uh, as we transition to a much broader um, form of media, uh, you know, like I said, they, they know who they are and they know their platform, right? So they don't necessarily need to seek out 
charities or, or, um, or causes to go after. I mean, I think they just sort of inherently know those kinds of things based on who they are as a person and what they communicate through the platforms. Um, and I think the, the other thing is, is that they get hit up all the time. So it's like, yeah. you know, they'll, 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 they get found no matter what. So it's really um, mostly what we found to be true is that we have an education challenge where we have to make sure we're educating our nonprofits on a variety of things, particularly of which like what, it, what influencer marketing is, how to find somebody on, in, on Instagram, right? Some very basic stuff. So on the nonprofit side, it's a lot of education. And then on the brand side, it's about how do we align all of those and measure those so that you understand from a business standpoint how it works. And that's like, I think, again, it's sort of our secret sauce on we're able to speak multiple languages and, and, and showcase and provide value differently depending on who the constituents are, but ultimately bringing them together so that they can scale uh, together. I think that's sort of a unique skill set that we had going into it, just given our sort of our, our life um, histories and our paths, yeah. but also over time working with these varying, varying stages of companies, varying stages of nonprofits and sizes and figuring out, you know, how does, how do we build technology to enable or to service sort of the gaps in, in, in bringing people together? Dude, I absolutely love what you're doing. And I think it's so cool and, and just right place, right time and uh, right marketing. And uh, the last question I have just about the actual company, and then we'll jump into some of the giving side of, of where you guys are going and things like that. But it's just, so do you guys act as like a matchmaker then? Do you have a, an agency for influencers that you pair them to? Do you go find an agency that has that? It's just kind of a weird, like nonprofit comes to you and you're like, oh yeah, let me just go introduce you to these big influencers on my back end here. Like no big deal kind of thing. Or do you work with an agency we we work with everybody we have lots of agency partnerships but ultimately for us it's the art and the science the science of it is we know very clearly and we can search and filter and sort influencers that are in specific geographies that are um maybe in particular um categories of, of content creators that maybe have said certain hashtags and certain times and have done different okay. t- so like there's there's a lot of that science is easy um because that's very very put together yeah. but i think where the art is and why again I, why i think we have a little bit of uh, a competitive advantage in that we understand once we have that list of 50 100 150 influencers like what are the intangibles somewhat of how do you actually refine that down to maybe 25 that actually will be really closely aligned for a campaign and for a cause. So it's very much like 80% science and then the 20% art because we've just done this for so long. I mean, my my business partner and other co-founder, I mean, he, another story for another time, but I mean, he, he, you know, he has been an influencer marketing since the very beginning. You know, he, you know, the company that he launched was like Google partner number two for their (laughs) partner program when, when YouTube launched their multi-channel network or, or partner program. So you know, I think he actually also wrote the first check to Maker Studios, which is which was the first and like largest <laughs> exit of, uh, or I guess the found the influence. And so it's yeah. So yeah. like we have a lot of experience and understand yeah. how how to make sure this works. Right, right. People on the bus in the right seats to help make that happen. That's awesome, yep. man. Well, I know uh, you're also into doing good yourself, uh, especially now as you start doing more. And uh, your company's actually created a nonprofit now. So I'd love for you just to you know take a second and brag about the nonprofit that you've created and and what it's doing. Yeah, I mean, so at the beginning uh, of this, when we first endeavored to do what we did, right, we thought we were just going to be this analytics business. And then over time, we've become a, a marketing sort of a marketing services and technology business, a sort of media uh, development business, and obviously a, a measurement business. And through all of that journey, um, 
and really the first two first two years, we saw that there were a couple of problems. One is that there are not a lot of marketing like education or resources for nonprofit marketers to like upskill, right? Like what, like, how do I just easily learn how to use TikTok? What is TikTok, right? Or, you know, what are some basic, you know, one-on-ones on how we should think about just setting up our Instagram or right, just what is influencer marketing? Like just basic kind of one-on-one things. Um, and then we also noticed that like the technology that was out there that most nonprofits were using were either too expensive or too hard to understand and use or I knew like that, that there are four private companies that use the same technology that have a team of 15 people in order to make it actually right. So like, so we did a lot of, we've done a lot of uh, development on just building either free or near free tools that I think are just important. So I wanted to provide that as context. So our nonprofit, which we started, I think at the beginning of this year, just like from a logistics standpoint, and we're now sort of thinking of how we really activate it and scale it in 2023 is the mission is, is how do we bring free resources, grants, um, and just general money to nonprofit marketers so that they can better understand how to market and use the tools out there um, to be better nonprofit marketers. Um, and I, you know, in a, war, in, a, in a dream world, and this might be counterintuitive to our business, but in a dream world, non, nonprofits wouldn't necessarily need us because they, get, they, can, they can understand how to navigate on a social media platform and build advocacy and, and community um, and partnerships themselves and, and all those kind of things. So I think that it's really important that, you know, moving into 2023, taking all of the things that we've learned over the last three years, putting it into our nonprofit, providing free access to resources and tools, you know, discounted or, 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 or free grants, or I guess grants to either provide discounted or free uh, money to get access to tools that we believe are important, not just ours. Um, and so that's really the mission. I think the other thing is kind of tying into the crypto stuff is, is trying to figure out how do we also use that nonprofit to provide education around opportunities mm -hmm. around cryptocurrency and some 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 opportunities around Web three and so mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's it's been dormant this year even though we started it just because um, we've been so focused on the core business but it's all lended itself into figuring out what it exactly is that we can deliver in 2023 when we really start activating it to provide again these free resources and and raise money to provide grants too. Um, you know, to marketers, nonprofit marketers specifically. I really love that idea. And I think that's, um, I don't want to say brave because I think there's like lots of obstacles that could be, that could be there, but like, I'm very, it's very admirable. Um, and I appreciate that. Um, I'm really curious because you, I think are in a very unique situation being in contact with so many different nonprofits from all different types of walks of life, I imagine. Is there something that maybe 80% of them, is there just like an underlying thing that most of these nonprofits just need in their business? Is it, like, is it, I can't imagine it just being like your business, being influencer, influencer marketing, that kind of support, but like, is it, is it technology? Is it just education in general on how to like run an actual business and not necessarily like just raise capital for, you know, these, these pieces, what is it that could help, um, you know, MPOs on a, on a much larger scale kind of raise to the next level of just another consistent revenue or bigger revenue or, you know, better positioning. Yeah. I mean, I, this may sound really simple, but it's, it all comes down to storytelling. Mm. Every, every nonprofit needs to be the best storyteller alive about the mission and the cause that they're, that they're focused on. If they what's, could be, sorry, go for it. I was going to say, what's the importance of storytelling then? Cool. So it, cause it all cascades into everything else. So if you can be a really amazing storyteller 
and then understand how you take that story and make it digestible for an audience on Instagram or an audience on TikTok. Then you can use your storytelling and your presence on those platforms to build community. Once you build community, then you can build advocates. Once you have community and advocates, then you can use them to raise money. And it's all cyclical, but it starts with how do you tell that story and how do you tell it on the places that you need to be, right? And so if if I tell an influence or if I tell a nonprofit nothing else, it's like, what is the story that we're telling, right? And how do we tell that story in 2022, almost 2023? We can't tell that same story that you told 20 years ago and say it in the same places because it no longer works like that. So your and your story may have not changed in 20 years, which is totally fine, but we need to figure out how do we tell that story differently to a 2022, 2023, 2024, 2020, whatever the year is audience, because that's going to change how you tell the story. It's not what the story is. It's how do you tell that story in a new way of understanding things, right? And then ultimately from there, it cascades and it dominoes into a much more stronger effect because you are a story, effective storyteller on the platforms you need to be in, which drive, like I said, drives community, drives advocates, and then ultimately drives donors and dollars. But it doesn't start at donors. It doesn't start at technology. You, you can't have all the best technology in the world and be a terrible storyteller. It's not going to work. So you really got to focus on the story that you're telling in the day and age that you're telling it in the in the places that you are telling it, right? It's the what, the how, and the where. If you can get that right, I promise you, you will be an effective mission driver for any cause that you are in. That's awesome. Uh, I absolutely love everything you're talking about right now. It's going to be so fired up and um, <laughs> we're, we're getting near the end of the interview here. I got one quick question, then Steve's going to jump in with some, uh, some of the giving questions uh, in our giving rounds. But um, I just wanted to know, so you're tracking uh, a lot of different data from these nonprofits and you're probably seeing some trends and I'm sure that's something that you've seen quite a bit. What are we starting to see for businesses that want to give back or influencers that want to give back as a donation, as a line item of their business, thinking like Tom's Shoes, Ten Trees, not, you know, like, oh, I just donated, you know, $100,000 to a charity, but like companies that are actually building it into their business. Are you seeing trends of that coming up? Are you seeing ways that you can track that data and show improved points to people that it actually has benefits to their business, to their to their brand. And I mean this in the way that we look so much in as like, oh, you're just using nonprofits or whatever as a ploy to get more followers. Like, no, like there's genuinely good humans out there. And I believe the good humans are going to shine through and they want to use their influence for that. So I was hoping yeah. you can touch on that quickly. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're at an interesting space where you've got varying flavors of businesses in varying stages of, of their, uh, maybe their, their corporate responsibility journey um, and their impact journey. Guys like Tom's Patagonia, right. They've been doing this. That's been in their DNA. Right. And so they understand how to operate a mission or an impact driven organization that not only delivers top and bottom line, but also, uh, you know, impact. Right. So, uh, but you have other large corporations who are now understanding that consumers are demanding that they have an impact ethos, that they do something good for people and planet. Um, and so those stages of companies typically have a harder time trying to figure out what it is that they measure um, and what it is that it's important to them. And then ultimately, how does it impact the business? So I think just, just to set the table, I mean, we're in a very interesting place where a lot of these conversations are being had. I'm glad that they're having them and our, our focus is figuring out, you know, how do we help you have those conversations and measure the outcomes for your business and for the people or planet or, or the cause that, that you're going to support. So, 
Yeah, I mean, the trend essentially is, is those questions are being asked, those those uh, views are being sought after, or we've had conversations with like Fortune 50, Fortune 100 companies that at this chief sustainability officer level that is saying we can no longer just build stuff because it sustains the planet. We also need to measure some sort of business outcome or business impact, which uh, I, I totally get, right? Because you have to make sure that you're investing the right ways uh, to be a sustainable company as well as a sustainable uh, participant of this planet. And so, you know, what we what we measure ultimately is is varying aspects of the business outcomes, whether that's marketing or whether that's sales, and then obviously whether uh, what the impacts are to you know a partner organization as well. And so that's as long as those conversations are continuing to be had um, and those those perspectives are continuing to be sought. We have a place which is good for our business, but ultimately um, the planet will have a, a brighter future. Um, because those types of things are happening. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm sure there are many, but is there one particular one you want to share with us where it might be one of your most favorite or most, uh, you know, cherished memories of giving something that still kind of like pulls their heartstring, heartstrings? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I have a personal one that it's sort of, I, I'm biased, right? I mean, it was with Make-A-Wish. I, when I granted my first <laughs> wish, uh, to me, that was like, it's the I, I feel like everybody should do it because it's a process and an outcome that that really does, like you don't have to be the recipient of the wish for it to change your life. I mean, it is like mm -hmm. monumental, but there's two processes of granting a wish. You do a wish discovery where you sit with um, with the with the, the, the child um, and really and their family and kind of understand who they are and what makes them makes them go and what they like and what they don't like. And then ultimately like what their wish is. And so you go this whole entire process. And then after you go through the process of the wish discovery and it gets approved, then as, as the wish grantor, you also get to do the wish reveal. Right. And so that from, as a wish kid talking to and learning about this kid and what he likes and what he doesn't like and what his wish is going to be. And I mean, knowing what, it, what the outcome is going to be for him. I like, I think I, I did the interview for like an, an hour and a half. And I think I went in my car and I just cried kind of like <laughs> ha happy and also maybe a little bit like some repressed stuff too. Who knows? That's another, maybe another podcast for another people, but it, it, it totally changed my life. And I just was so excited to be able to tell him or her, I can't really maybe the person um, that, that they were going to go to where they were going to go. And, and then you get to do the wish discovery and they, you know, you get a cool little small little budget and you get to go to like their favorite restaurant or something that makes them really excited and they have no idea. And it's almost like a surprise party. And then you spring it on them and like, Hey, you're, you're tomorrow you're going. So your bags are, you better, your, your parents packed your bags, you're going tomorrow. And it's just, so the whole process is just, you know, again, I'm super biased. Um, but there's a reason why they're the number two recognized nonprofit in the entire world um, behind St. Jude's, which also does great work. Um, but I, I just that for me was was life changing and, and validating for um, why why because I, I think I, I I think I was able to grant a wish like within like three months of like really reengaging with with Make a Wish, um, mm -hmm. and it's just you know I I can't I'm I, I'm so grateful because I think that they I know that that they changed my trajectory of my perspective of life. Cause I don't look at my people who know me don't even know I had cancer. I've never once pulled the cancer card. I use it all the time now to set context for kaleidoscope, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, I, I, I credit them for the reason why I have the perspective on my illness, which I is positive, interestingly or not. Um, and to be able to deliver that to, 
somebody who is sick and then seeing them go through treatment with no hair and then doing the wish discovery and then being this like vibrant, healthy human about to like be rewarded for like, you know, going through with the hardest thing that they're going to have to go. I mean, it's, it's the most amazing thing. So I love it. Special. Dude, that's so special. I can see the excitement and passion coming out from you in that. So <laughs> uh, to, to finish off the podcast, man, we got what we call the giving round. We're at some rapid fire questions about giving quick answers. You ready? Yes, sir. Cool. Well, obviously I know your favorite charity is uh, make a wish, but brag on one local charity. That means something to you. Um, that's a good question. There is a, Oh gosh, I'm going to blank on the name, but um, there's an amazing local charity that raises money and resources and support for mothers who are um, uh, either experiencing homeless or, or under house. And, you know, those types of things from a local standpoint, particularly mothers who are in, in either parts of communities that are underserved or, or at risk, you know, it's the most amazing thing. And so uh, baby to baby, that's what it's called. They do amazing work. So um, kudos to them for everything they do. Nice. What would get you more excited donating a $1 million check or spending a week physically helping others? Oh, a week. All day. Nice. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I get I get excited for Thanksgiving because I I I, uh, I serve uh, um, food for a whole day at my church, and it's it's great to be a part of that community and and um, you know also work with the people that we hurt. So yeah, I would work I would work for somebody else uh, for a week. It's hands down. That would be easy. Can I do both though? It'd be cool if I had a million dollars to give away. I would do both. I love I love the excitement of like one day for Thanksgiving compared to donating a million dollars. Like no no dude, I'm there. I'm I'm yeah. on the ground. That's awesome. Yeah on the ground. Uh, who inspires you with their giving? Um, I think what's really, I mean, it's just a group of people. I think when you look at, I, I'm going to butcher his name, but the, the particularly like the most recently, the, the Patagonia news and, and his just like unselfish, like stuff's messed up, like take everything I got to help it while, while I'm here and while I'm gone. And so um, I think when you see that type of selflessness in a way that, you know, most people and personalities aren't, I think that to me is, is, is pretty amazing, but even down to the, to the people that I see um, that volunteer or donate at make a wish who don't have the, the means or the funds, or sometimes even the time to, to donate, but they do it anyway. Like that's the whole thing is like the whole, the triple T for me, time, talent, treasure. Like if you're able to do one or all of those things, even when it's hard to, I mean, I have no excuses. Right. You got me thinking, man. Um, do you think that entrepreneurs should include a line item of giving in their business from day one or wait until they've seen some success and might have some money in the bank? I, I think that uh, to, to right back to the, the time, talent, treasure thing. To, to me, every entrepreneur should be mission focused. Um, and that mission could be time. Maybe their team has the time to clean up the beach or serve food or wrap presents for kids. For, right, right. There's time. And there's talent. There are amazing young, old, age, age agnostic people at startups who have a wealth of knowledge and experience and talent that they can lend. Uh, or you can donate treasure and, and, and money. So I think that every entrepreneur, when they're building their business, there should be a, a focus on mission um, and what mission means at day one compared to day 750 will be different, but ultimately the throughput should still be mission. So, um, I believe that 100%. Awesome. Uh, what do you think of when you first hear go big to give big? 
no stops, right? Like we, we have to, we really cannot, and, and I run into this a lot. I mean, there's a lot of legacy think around, oh, well, we've done this before, uh, or we, we've tried it and it didn't work, or we can't because blah, blah, blah. Go big to me means that you try everything you possibly can to make things happen. Um, and then the, the, the reward is that you get to give big. So to me, it's, there's no stops. There's no excuses. There's no, we've tried this before. It's never worked or we've done this. It's, you just got to do it. Like, let's put, let's put the motion in, um, and make it happen. You know, one word, describe the feeling you get when you give. Stoked. I'm stoked. I'm stoked. This is I great. I love that. Dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm just loving this. This is amazing. I just want to continue this podcast on for another hour. Um, we can do part two whenever you guys are ready. <laughs> the, uh, the final question we ask all of our guests, and I would love to hear your response to this one. Do you believe that money can buy you happiness? Sure. But, but, you know, there's a lot of things that go into that in terms of sustaining that happiness. I mean, you can, you can, I, there's a, there's a lot of, and I'll butcher all the quotes, right. But like, you can, <laughs> you can buy a house, but you can't buy a home, right? Like you can buy, um, uh, what is it? Like this thing about like, but you can't buy like your health. Like there are things that money cannot buy that would make you very happy. Like I'm sure uh, my parents would have paid every single cent they possibly could to make sure that I had no cancer anymore, right? But there's no, so can money buy happiness? Yes, but it never can sustain it. Um, And unless you have sort of your focus on, on the ways to make yourself happy and the ways to make things sustain you know it's a totally. short-sighted totally get it man that's awesome well nick thank you so much for coming in man it's been an incredible interview absolutely love like the philosophy you have what you're creating what you're doing uh we're on similar missions and i absolutely love it and uh i just want to give you a few seconds to brag on yourself where can people find you where can they learn about kaleidoscope they want to get involved with you anything like that take a few seconds and uh just share about yourself sure i you know i'm super fortunate to be a part of kaleidoscope i'm glad that kaleidoscope found me i didn't find it it just happened and uh i'm very thankful and and happy and just super excited in the space that we're in and all of our clients and customers and future ones that we're working with and we're at kaleidoscope.io it's c-o-l-l-i-d-e like collide uh, and scope c-o-p-e dot io and i'm nick nick at kaleidoscope.io email me whenever you want with any questions and i'm always happy to help thank you again for uh coming in and inspiring us to go bigger with our dreams and goals so that we can give bigger with our profits man i'm looking forward to uh building a relationship with you and seeing what we can do together in the future likewise thanks thanks, guys Thank you for listening to the show. If you know someone who's an example of Go Big to Get Big, we would love if you could share this with them. We want to get our message out to as many listeners as we can, and it all starts by having people like you share it with your friends. Also, if you enjoyed the show, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star review. It's a simple act of giving that is free for you, helps us grow our message, and in return, allows others to find us sooner. And until the next episode, remember... Always go bigger with your dreams and goals so you can give bigger with your profit.